Then we start seeing the, the tether or the pole doing this. Uh-oh. And he says, finally, it pulls it over and destroys this car into the wall. And there's this 11-year-old Vic Jr. looking at this car that's in a his, pile. His race car, yeah, this is destroyed. But, that's uh, funny. The, the first time that they put it in the V860 engine on the dyno, it pinned the dyno, 200 horsepower. So I go, oh, that was easy. We got yeah. this, no problem. Yeah. So I go to idle the thing down. Well, the percentage of nitro is so high, they can't shut it off. Yeah. <laughs> They're throwing wet towels on top of the engine. <laughs> hey, welcome to Car Guy Confessions, brought to you by ARP. I'm Jeff Smith. This is my car buddy, Cam Bancy, and car builder, Steve Strope. And we're going to tell you some stories. All right, welcome to another episode of Car Guy Confessions with Jeff Smith. We have a special brought to you by the guys from ARP-Bolts.com. Our friends at ARP, we couldn't do this without them. So uh, we have a special show today. I have two good friends here, Mike Eddy and Smitty Smith from Edelbrock. And uh, I, there, was, there was actually a time where I was spending so much time down at Edelbrock that people thought that I had my own time card. <laughs> we were looking for your badge. <laughs> and and I, ha I have a couple of those visitors' badges still that I, that I walked off with at a couple of times. So Perfect. that was fun. So my deal with you guys goes all the way back to almost the very beginning when I started at CarCraft in 1979. And Jim McFarlane was there. And I, I used to call him all the time with tech questions, right? And finally he would say, dude, you know, just save them up. And come down here on Friday afternoon. It's kind of a slow time. Friday afternoon it was, it was still at Coral Circle, and and uh, save your questions here. up. And it's not there anymore. Yeah. No, Vic's not here. Well, well now Vic's not. Here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on Friday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. So it's a lot quieter. Yes. So um, so I would go down there, and then uh, I, I I think to this day that so I mean every Friday afternoon I would go down there, wow. and sometimes I wouldn't be. I'd be down there till seven eight o'clock at night. We'd be the only ones there. And we'd close the place up and go home. And I honestly still think to this day that my first wife thought I was cheating on her, that I was with somebody every Friday night. And I said, no, I'm with Jim McFarland. <laughs> Call the company, you know. And I thought, no, we're not going to answer the phone. <laughs> right? you know? So, uh, but that was a lot of fun. So that's how I met these guys. So um, tell me a little bit about, we'll, we'll start with you and then, okay. and then we'll, we'll kick Mike in on this deal too. So, so when did you start at Edelbrock? Uh, just 30 some years ago, 30 um, years ago. but I've been associated with Edelbrock since 1970. Okay. I worked at a speed shop out of high school. Uh -huh. I used to call Edelbrock and El Segundo. Mm -hmm. I still got the number 310-320-7310 in my head. And, uh, Permanently embla but emblazoned. I used to talk to, uh, you know, back then it was John Toll and, uh, yeah. all those guys in sure. sales. And, uh, then I went to service center speed shop. Mm-hmm from that previous speed shop, and that's when I met Mike Eddy. Uh -huh. uh, we reminisced on the way up here, uh, 1972. Wow. So that's 50 years ago. Yeah. But uh, I've been doing this performance aftermarket industry my whole life. Uh -huh. I mean, I've had a passion. It's like, uh, you know, I had a go-kart when I was five. I just love cars. Sure. Oh, yeah. You like know, we, we all, all love cars. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Been with Edelbrock for 30-plus years, and uh, just doing what we love to do. Yeah. Every yeah. day. And recently they just packed up and moved to Mississippi, basically, with yeah. you know, with the with the with they the holding merged. company merged with Comp Cams. Comp Cams we're now called the Edelbrock Group. The Edelbrock Group, yep. And uh, we yep. moved from Torrance, California mm -hmm. after thirty two years to Olive Branch, Mississippi. Yeah. And that was last March, April. Uh huh. So uh, it's been a transition a to transition. say the least. And COVID in the middle and the oh, pandemic. Yeah. I mean it's just and 
But but the foundry is still out in the foundry desert. Foundry still right? in San Jacinto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Permanent mold and right, right. and uh, green. Still sand. made in the USA. Yes, right? sir. Yeah. Yes, yeah. sir. There you go. Casting so, still made. So, Mike, when did you start? Because you guys were already there when I started. So, so I'm kind of a I'm kind of a newcomer. <laughs> well, to this he whole was. Thing. Well, I went to work for the company in '86 <laughs> okay. in January, and uh, prior to that, my best friend that I grew up and did car stuff with and what have you, Kurt Hooker. Kurt Hooker. Yeah. Um, through him, they didn't have any vehicle maintenance or anything in El Segundo. Okay. So I had a repair shop with my dad and mm-hmm. I worked on some of Vic's cars there. And my dad wanted to retire and Vic says, well, why don't you just come to work for me? Yeah. And the only difference was I worked about the same hours, but I didn't have quarterly taxes that was taken <laughs> care of. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so... January of 86, but, you know, I'd worked on the company stuff since, like, 80, 81. So, yeah, okay, right, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, saw a few different things, worked at El Segundo, and then worked at Torrance. And yeah. and, um, the, and the fun part, really, was the, the race cars, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. See, yeah. I look at Mike like Bobby Meeks was for Vic Sr. Okay. Because he was... The Bobby Meeks, if you will, for Vic Jr. Uh-huh. He was Mike Eddy that took care of Vic. You know, it was just because th- those two guys, Bobby Meeks and, and Mike Eddy, they right. were the right-hand man for Vic Sr. Right. and Jr. Right. You know? In fact, if, if, if you're really interested in the history, um, there's a great book. Made that, in USA. Made in USA. And uh, it's a fantastic book. And I, as soon as it came out, I went to the, the book signing party and stuff. <laughs> and it was great. It was a lot of fun. And, and met some of, some of those guys that had already retired when I started coming down there, just hanging out and doing stories. And uh, it was an amazing, it's an amazing book. And uh, my, one of my favorite stories is, is about Vic Sr. racing the, the v, V860 oh, yeah. with, the, with, the, with the midgets. Yeah. And uh, so, at, at one point, they wanted to induct Vic Senior into the Hall of Fame in Novi, and and my good friend John Asher that I worked with at Carcraft Magazine, he wrote a lot of the introductions, the, the little short little piece right, that they right. would put in in the museum, and they wanted him to write it. So he called me and said, "I don't know anything about Vic Senior, so you 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 have to do this." Holy crap! Right? You know, <laughs> and and you've got like you know three paragraphs. How do you how do you encapsulate that man's history in three paragraphs? It's impossible. No so um, I, I was really stressing out, and I finally realized that after having read the book, that there's a great little vignette about what they did with nitromethane oh, with yeah. the sprint with with the midget car right after Run, World War II. Right after World War II, so they were out at the at the speedway, and at that the way I understand it, they the 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 um, the, the offies were in a separate class in the V860s because they were a pure race engine and the V860 was, was the Ford Flathead, right? Right. So, um, and so Vic Sr. decided to race against the offies that night, the race engines, because they were running on nitromethane. They were running something like, I don't know, what, 70, 80% nitromethane? And, and nobody only. knew what it was. Yeah. Nobody, it was a, it was a, a rocket fuel. It was actually, <laughs> from what I heard, the Bean Bandits were the first ones that actually ran it out, out, at, out, out of the dry lakes that, because they were introduced through it through um, Jet Propulsion Lab. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's where they found because they was, were using it sort of as a rocket fuel. So, <clears throat> so the story goes that, that they, they, they put the nitromethane 
in the midget in the V860s and beat the offies. <laughs> the one and only. True story, Gilmore Stadium. Gilmore Stadium. Yep. Yes, sir. That was right after World War II. They had, I mean, crowds of like 90, 100,000 yeah. people. Yeah, because it was a uh, huge deal. The Rose Bowl and, and all and, these other And venues. everybody's and, eyes are watering and it smells nasty. And they're so, what are you guys doing? <laughs> There's oh, a, such they, a great story. The blue flame out the little V860 pipe yeah. is like this long. Sure. Heard yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, but they, they but they also blew up a bunch of flatheads oh, yeah. in the in the process of figuring out how to make it work. So well, the, uh, the yeah. first time that they ran it on the engine dyno, they had the the first Clayton dyno west of the Mississippi. And mm. they found it. Vic Jr. had a, a tether car. Mm-hmm. And that's what they used to power it with. Oh, okay. Um, but you were supposed to mix it in a percentage. They're right, going, well, right. If, if it's good for that, it's good for this. So yeah, let's, let's mix it up. Anyway, yeah. they, they like, overloaded the mixture in the, in the tether car and in and, and the back alley of the shop. Um, they drive a stake in the ground and they get the thing running. Well, it's, it's so overloaded with nitro that it's sputtering and popping and barely making revolutions. And, and then it gradually gets faster and faster and faster. This is a story via Bobby Meek. So um, he says, after a little while, he says, it's a blur. You can't see anything. And he says, then we start seeing the, the tether or the pole doing this. Uh-oh. <laughs> and he says, finally, it pulls it over <laughs> and destroys this car into the wall. And there's this 11-year-old Vic Jr. looking at this <laughs> car that's in a his, pile. His race car, yeah, this is destroyed. But, that's uh, funny. The, the first time that they put it in the V860 engine on the dyno, it pinned the dyno, 200 horsepower. So they're going, oh, that was easy. We got yeah. this, no problem. Yeah. So they go to idle the thing down. Well, the percentage of nitro is so high, they can't shut it off. Yeah. They're throwing <laughs> wet towels on top of the engine. <laughs> the, the stuff that to they... To shut it off. Yeah. yeah. The, the stuff they had to do and figure out, you know, what percentage to run it at of nitro and methanol. But uh, yeah. they nitromethane is extremely corrosive. Well... The carburetors are just pop metal, so they chrome-plated those to keep them from getting eaten up. Uh-huh. And the Jeep cans, um, they chrome-plated those as well. And the nitromethane used to come in a, like a gallon glass bottle. Mm-hmm. And uh, they'd put that in a cardboard box, and then they'd take it and dump it into the Jeep can, and they'd just shake the daylights out of it. And, and uh, every night they would put something different as an additive in there. And Bobby was telling me, um, everything that they did changed the color of the flame and the tailpipe. They used oil of myrbane, and they used, you know, I mean, just and all, those other all this yeah. crazy stuff. It's orange one night, and it's green the next night, and it's, you know. None of these guys could figure out what it was for quite some period of time, but there was a, a red and a blue midget series, and the blue series were all the offies, uh-huh. and the red series were everything else. I mean, outboard motors and you name it. Well... Basically, they had no competition with the V860 with the nitromethane, so they petitioned USAC mm-hmm. and said, you know, we'd like to Racing be challenged here, yeah. you know. So anyway, they finally relented, and they let them run Thanksgiving night, the Turkey Night Grand Prix, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that was with Roger Ward driving the car. And uh, Yeah. Who won the Indy 500 later in yes. the 50s? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, started on the pole, led all 50 laps, and... and uh, <laughs> But the V860 had such torque, and they had all this other trick stuff. It had the the first Harmon and Collins Magneto, had really? serial number 001. Wow. But it had a Casale rear end in it. Casale made V-drives for boats. Okay. It was a two-speed rear axle. Well, not something that you could shift back and forth, but you could start in low range and then upshift it. Uh-huh. 
Well, the little 60 had much more torque than a offie. So <laughs> they would just jump off the corners. Well, right? Roger Ward could drag them down at the start really, really slow, and none of these offies could go that. So they'd keep jumping the start, you know, and it'd go around and around. They'd get everybody grouped up again. And so finally, uh, um, they got a start, and, you know, Roger pulled them like four or five cars the first straightaway, and, and that was that. That was but that, the, right, yeah, but, uh, yeah. Great history. stuff. Definitely Great history. Stuff. The only V8 60 ever to beat an offie. Ever beat an offie. So one of the things I like to do is always assemble an engine with ARP bolts, and it's not just because they're sponsors, but because it really does work. Um, and and the stuff is fantastic. I never have to worry about it. Steve, you build building cars too. Yeah, right? uh, actually, it's part of my baseline design plan when I'm building a car that's going to be shown or featured in a magazine. It's part of the plan to have that little bit of diamonds all over the engine bay or in the suspension. Yeah, Yeah, the stuff is beautiful. I remember uh, a long time ago I built the first time I ever touched it, 69Z28, all of the uh, water jacket holes had stripped out, and I learned about ARP studs. So check them out at arp-bolts.com or check out their catalog. You'll find everything you're looking for. And then there's, I mean, there's so many other stories, but oh. I want to do specifically stuff from, you know, your guys' experiences with, with, with Edelbrock itself. So is, is there like a great story? You know, I've, I've heard some stuff about the dyno, but, but well, you know. I'm going to tell you a, a totally different story that I don't think you heard. Mike probably has when we would talk at lunch or yeah. breaks. Yeah. Uh, when I worked at Service Center, uh, the owner of Service Center was Sheldon Comblet. Okay. We had like 48 stores. Uh, local speed shop mm-hmm. before Super Shops era. Yeah. And um, Edelbrock was in El Segundo. Well, I was working at the Manchester store in Inglewood. Okay. Well, the two got together, Vic Edelbrock and Sheldon, and he said, hey, let's have a softball game. <laughs> Edelbrock versus Service Center. Wow. So we met at, I think it was um, on Rosecrans near Crenshaw, that park where the golf course it was where he played softball. Kurt Hooker was there. Okay. I don't believe Mike was there. No. But um, I was there. And so we had this big softball game, Edelbrock versus Edelbrock. And the one thing Edelbrock versus Service Center. Yeah. Yeah. And the one thing that sticks out in my mind is we had a grapefruit with a whole can of white shoe polish that's absorbed in this grapefruit. (laughs) And we pitched this to Vic Edelbrock. He swings and hits it. And it explodes, right? Explodes. It's grapefruit. <laughs> Kurt Hooker remembered that when we were talking. But that was, I think, 1975. Yeah. So yeah. that's a different story than you might know. But, yeah, uh, yeah. We had that's a blast. Good. That's good. That's good. Softball on the weekend. You know? Yeah. So Vic's collection got pretty substantial, and you ended up basically taking care of it, correct? Yeah, 35 yeah. cars and like yeah. a half a dozen motorcycles. And, and if we have to pick one car, I mean, I have my favorite. What was your favorite? None. Of all the race cars? None. None of them? <laughs> <laughs> like That's a better answer. That's a really good answer. <laughs> I did. Because people ask me, they said, you love working on cars. Not really. You know, I don't love working them. I love playing with them. I love racing them. But I don't really love working them because it's a real pain and your knuckles are all messed up. So. We did 18 races one year. Oh, my goodness. Times four and five cars a weekend. And the bulk of that I did by myself. And that's... Oh. That's driving the transporter, the, the rig to an with, event. And how many cars in the rig? Six? Four. Four. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, setting up the awning and dealing with multiple egos and uh, <laughs> basically get your foot in it or your ass out of it. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I mean, 
Uh, all so, of so his. So the four cars that he would take the track would be the, the unit Camaro, and yeah. and and the uh, the Boss three hundred two Trans Am Mustang. Yeah. The Fulmer car, right? Yeah, the Bud Moore car. The Bud Moore car. Z06. And then, and then the, yeah, the Corvette. Right. And then, and then the Lister? Yeah, well, those were all of X. And then the mm-hmm. girls had their Shelbys. The Shelbys, okay. Um, so it, uh, it was a matter of how much, or how, how much fun he wanted to have and how much fun he wanted his kids to have. So. <laughs> True story. And that, and that kind of went like this. <laughs> all the time. All the time. So, and then, now you've got a car, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we did a story on that thing, but but talk about that car because that that car has a really cool, really history. Because yeah. I knew that car before I knew he was going to get it. I knew yeah. the guy that had it, and he we've talked about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell him cool. a story. Mike. So the story is great, and we'll and we'll plug some photos in here of of the cars because it's 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 very it's a great story. It's a uh, well, it's it's current livery is has sixty four sheet metal on it, but it's a Ford Falcon Sprint mm-hmm. and. Uh, 63 and a half, uh, when the hardtop came out, 64 and 5, the greenhouse or the roof is all the same. So um, the man that owned and campaigned the car was our next-door neighbor. And my dad worked for Carroll Shelby at the time, and uh, this sedan class was just coming into being with the SCCA. A sedan. Yeah. A sedan and B sedan. Right. Yeah. Well, they had A, B, C, D sedans. Yeah. um, Anything from a Sunbeam Imp to a Mustang or a Falcon, or uh-huh. um, but uh, anyway, that uh, um, that's basically the genesis of where it started. And uh, um, when and and he was racing it in like B sedan, correct? A sedan, A sedan, yeah. Okay. And uh, from the sedan class is where SCCA got the idea for the professional series of the Trans Am, right? Um, and uh, because the regular sedan class was a strictly an amateur series, and mm-hmm. and the Trans Am paid you money, so <laughs> <laughs> that was an okay deal for right, yeah. right. Um, but uh, and your neighbor was doing the development work on the, on the he 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 raced the car, but he was also doing development work for somebody else, wasn't he? Well, at at the time that uh, he was campaigning the car, uh, Shelby had signed the deal with Ford Motor Company to build the GT three fifties, the the Mustangs, mm-hmm. and. Uh, well, Shelby wanted to get because the Mustang was still in tooling; it hadn't even been produced yet. Right, so, right. Um, but Shelby wanted to get kind of a boots on the ground and and sure. figure out uh, um, okay, what do we got to do and what have you. Well, Ford basically told him, "Well, the Falcon has the same underpinnings, the same wheelbase, the same front suspension, Shock all power. of that." Right, um, right. So, towers, yep. Um, yep. they had. Uh, Shelby had gotten a car from um, Alan Mann, who was Ford's um, associate in, in Europe and mm-hmm. in England, and they ran lots of rallies and, and that kind of stuff. Anyway, they ran the Monte Carlo rally and, and uh, finished second. That uh, was a big deal in Europe. Huge in, deal. Yeah, in 63, they finished second. So in 64, yeah. they figured, okay, well, we're just going to load up the uh, FIA, the homologation papers. And, I mean, they homologated the car with... Uh, um, girling brakes and two carburetors and, and uh, body panels <laughs> of pressed alloy, pressed Cheated composite. Way up, yeah, right. <laughs> Lowered its weight by 400 pounds. 400 pounds. So that was a big deal for sure. You, oh, you yeah. tell anybody, you tell any racer that, okay, all you got to do is change a few body panels and you could make your car 400 pounds lighter. Well, it, that's what, do that. That's yep. what Pete, our neighbor, did. So uh-huh. he and my dad at night 
bodied that car up from a 63 to a 64. Right, right. And uh, so anyway, that's... Kind of uh, round a square. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but uh, um, my car um, was used in development for um, one of the things that they did with the Shelbys was uh, relocate the upper control arm down. Mm -hmm. which, uh, to change the camber curve. Yeah, and yeah. also more caster and, right, and right. Uh, all that kind of stuff. So my car actually has three sets of holes. Um, really? And... Uh, so you could see where they were plotting stuff out, and I left right. them there when I restored the car because it's you know some of the, history, the history of the car. Sure, so, absolutely, um, yeah. But uh, um, yeah, no, kind of kind of fun. The the last race of the first year of that series in 1966 was at Riverside, and uh, Pete, our neighbor that owned the car, was uh, uh, Riverside was like his home racetrack, and so Shelby paid his entry. Um, to put another Ford in the field because uh -huh. Ford was behind in points to Chrysler um, for the manufacturer's championship. Right. right. So wow. anyway, um, started <laughs> fourth, something new. started fourth and finished sixth. had an alternator fail on it and they changed the alternator, but uh, it wow. scored points and helped Ford win the championship. The championship. In 66, wow. So, yeah. Um, but it's just a little, Little privateer car, but boy, if it could talk, you know. Oh, it, yeah, uh, the stories it could tell, right? It has some great yeah. stories. And then you eventually bought it. You I've, eventually bought the car. Yeah, I followed it around for a long, long time. Yeah. And, and uh, um, it actually, uh, uh, the guy that had it was up here in uh, um, uh, Moore Park, I guess. Yeah, okay. this way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I told him he actually had bought the uh, Washburn Corvette. Um, after they were done racing it along with Bob Jank. Okay. And, and that's the story I was telling you when they took it to Bonneville and, and with a 671 supercharger on it, it went 200 miles an hour. <laughs> um, Which is just astonishing because those, those, the, those Stingray Corvettes were so famous for just picking yeah. the front ends up and flying. I mean, the funny cars, they crashed them all over the place. Yeah. Well, How many years ago was that? And that was 50 <laughs> years ago? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. A, but yeah. the, they're on the phone talking to GM Engineering and, and telling them the, that they're in Wendover and they're, they're trying to get this car to go faster than it was like 188 miles an hour and it wouldn't go any faster. And, <laughs> and uh, the guys are going, that car was never designed to do that. <laughs> what are you doing? So anyway, they, uh, by just uh, chipping away at it, they, they got it to 202. Wow. Um, wow. Um, but, but yeah, pretty, pretty crazy. But, yeah. but anyway, Mark Dees was uh, – half owner in in the corvette uh -huh. he had my car and uh customer of service center there yeah go. there you go that's his relationship <laughs> that's how i knew him <laughs> but uh i had uh followed the car around and and mark wound up coming in possession of it and uh -huh. he had uh taken it to europe and raced it over there as a group two car and done some stuff with a pretty successful attorney mm -hmm. and uh anyway so i told him i said hey you know if you ever get to the point of selling the car and uh so sure because there's a direct connection i mean yeah, he's, he's you know, your, I, my, your dad's your dad's friend and your neighbor and you knew the car as well as anybody I, my mom has a picture of me sitting in the car at about seven years old really you know? oh that's great wow. yeah but, uh, anyway uh um so mark calls me up and goes okay i'm ready to sell that car and i want ninety thousand for it <laughs> and <coughs> i had just bought a house and and uh <laughs> I said, That's like, I really appreciate you thinking of me, but you know, I, I can't get there. So, yeah. so anyway, uh, um, this, he called me like Thanksgiving time. And, uh, so Bob Jonick, um, who was a 
friend of the company and, uh-huh. and a, 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 a confidant of Vic Jr.'s and, and what have you, he, uh, he called me up and he says, so where are you at on your car? And I told him, I said, well, um, I can't afford it. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, Mark did call and he says, oh, well, you haven't heard. And uh, I said, no. And he says, well, Mark was killed in a traffic accident. This was Ooh. Christmas week. He was Ooh. hit head on by a drunk driver. So. <sighs> So anyway, and I said, well, he says, well, just hang on. So, <laughs> so I get a phone call from Mark's daughter and saying, you know, my godfather, Bob, told me to call you and, and uh, <laughs> um, that you're interested in the car. And I said, well, yeah, I, I kind of sort of am. And, mm-hmm. and she says, well, I have another party that's interested in all, also. And he offered this for it. And I said, okay, so mm-hmm. let's see. I can sell this and I can borrow that and I can... Rob a few banks and <laughs> okay, so it goes back and forth like three times. And uh-huh. I, I told her, I said, look, I, I said I appreciate you thinking of me and everything else. I said, but you know, I, I can't get there from here. And and uh, so we kind of left it at that. And and uh, so a couple of weeks go by, and she calls me again, and she says, well, I thought about it, and I thought about it with with my godfather Bob, and and if you can pay your last offer, we'd like you to have the car. Very cool. Yeah. So, so when was this? So when was this? A ninety four, I think. So you've had the car almost thirty years. Oh, now. I couldn't afford to do anything to it but take it apart. You know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you were too busy taking care of Vic's car. Yeah, well, that yeah. also. Yeah, that was a full time job, wasn't? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's it's pretty hard when money is no object when you work on stuff twelve hours a day, and then you go home and you're going, and I can get a little more out of this. Right, you know, right. I can and, squeeze uh, some life out of this piece, so right? It, yeah. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. And that's a fun car. It really is a fun car. Oh, it, it's a first-year car, so um, they ran uh, seven-inch wheels is where the rest of the cars run eight-inch wheels, mm-hmm. which is a big difference on how the tire works. Oh, yeah. And uh, um, it... Uh, I chose to run it with the smaller engine in it, even though the Trans Am rules are five liters, which is 305 inches. Um, so you chose to do the 289. Yeah, because 90% of the time the car ran in a sedan, and mm-hmm. that's the engine that it, plus that, it plus yeah. that was the crank that I had. So yeah. Um, yeah. anyway, it, uh, but it's kind of like taking a knife to a gunfight. So. <laughs> um, We'd like to introduce you to a new sponsor of ours. This is InTheGarageMedia.com. Some friends of ours that were in the print magazine business before and now started their own books. we got All Chevy Performance, Classic Truck Performance, and Modern Rotting. Yeah, these are awesome books. They've got uh, lots of uh, educational and entertainment things in them, and they're even good enough quality to include Steve Strope quality maybe, vehicles. Maybe. Uh, he's we'll working see if up I'm to allowed it. in there. Right. I don't know. So in the garage media, InTheGarageMedia.com. Check them out. Check them out. Get your subscription, sit and read it. And with ARP, it's not just a lot of intake manifolds, uh, studs for heads, but they also have a humongous selection of American and metric that we use all throughout the car, even large bolts that we use on the suspension components because you want that same strength, that same durability and reliability Plus the beautiful looks. And the and, stuff outside the catalog. Right. They have a special order program where if you're if you're a builder and you need some special stuff made, they can do that for you. So it's an amazing, amazing company to work with. So check them out at ARP-Bolts.com or check out their catalog. You'll find everything you're looking for. 
and 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 the current crop of vintage Trans Am racing is not exactly completely the way it was in 1968 or nine or 70, right? Uh, to a certain degree, you know. I mean, yeah. but there's stuff that's not sourceable anymore. I mean, we have AMCs. We have like a half a dozen um, of those cars, and. Uh, challengers and barracudas and and, and uh and, dodged arts and, and those parts are getting hard to find well especially yeah. for those guys you yeah. know i mean you know ford or chevy i mean it's more plentiful although yeah. then you've got guys like jay biddle out there running tunnel port heads yeah, right you know is, which is just insane spinning the snot out of that thing just it's an amazing engine it's you know didn't uh, sam posey drive the chrysler and they de-stroked the 340 to 305 yeah yeah, yeah exactly. exactly yep yep I yeah, remember that car. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so going to Riverside as a young guy in the sixties, that was fun too. Yeah. You oh know, yeah. The Watching the stock cars run. Petty, Petty ran a Ford that one year at Riverside. Yep, sixty nine. Yeah, right. See? Yep. Yep. So we all have good memories. Uh-huh. Goosebumps come with them. <laughs> <laughs> and you built a couple of cars, right? Say again. You've built a couple of cars. Oh well, yeah. I like going straight, uh-huh. fast, quarter yeah, mile. Cool. Um, so what's your current hot rod? Uh, I have a hot rod, which is like a 37 Ford pickup, you yeah. know, and then I've got, um, I, I have so much fun driving this 64 Chevy 2 gasser wagon. Okay. Straight axle. I'm not, I don't think I've seen that car. Tunnel ram. Yeah. Two carbur- two Edelbrock carburetors. Two Edelbrock, of course. Sticking to the hood with a five-speed, and that's a street car. Uh-huh. So I drive it, and when I work the Edelbrock display trailer, like a Good Guys Del Mar, Bakersfield, mm-hmm. Uh, Pomona, I drive it and park it there because it's got all our product to showcase right. our product while right. I'm working. Yeah. And it's fun to drive. Yeah. Fun to drive. Yeah. With a five-speed, yeah. I feel like I'm 17 again. <laughs> You've always been a manual trans guy yourself. Exactly. Too. Oh, yeah. 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 Four-speeds forever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, I just, ha- I love them. Yeah. It's fun. So you have AVS-2s on it? Of course. Of course, yeah. The new AVS-2s. The new AVS-2s. Annular yeah. Flow Primary yeah. Boosters. Yeah, which was Kurt Hooker's deal, right? That, God bless Kurt. Yeah, yes. yeah, that was that was a fun deal. I remember going down there one day to do a story on probably ProFlow 3 or 4, something like that. Well, we put one on your El Camino. We put one on the El Camino, yeah. yes. And and um, so I show up, and, and, and Kurt comes out. I, I go in the dyno and say hello and, and all that kind of stuff. And he goes, hey, come with me right now. Okay. Sticks me in that... That was it, green or the Chevy pickup truck? Um, the oh, blue. blue, the blue one. The oh, blue. blue. <laughs> and drive this thing. I want you. I want your impression. And I go about what? He goes. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to color your opinion. Just tell me what what you feel. Just drive it. I've never driven this before. And he goes. It doesn't matter. Just take it out and drive it. So I drive drive around about half an hour. I come back, and he goes. What do you think? And I went. Man, it's got some really sharp throttle response. I mean, I, I, I'm impressed. I would, you know, if I didn't know better, having opened the hood before we left and knew it was a carburetor, I would have guessed this is fuel injection. And and he goes, that's what I wanted to hear. She's, you need to go tell Vic that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay. And and because um, he didn't he didn't believe it, but but what Kurt had done was an annular discharge booster, right? And put it in the AVS, and it transformed oh. that carburetor. Oh, it was amazing. It's and about the last uh, addition you could do to an yeah, AFB car rate right, would be the annular right, booster. Yeah. And in, with an annular that. booster, what yeah. you have is a, a round booster. Instead of a normal booster has a down dog leg, a dog leg, leg kind of thing, and it has one discharge hole. But angular will eight use holes. eight holes all the way around, and it better vaporizes the fuel. And it also responds quicker to throttle input. So when my test, what I did was I put a uh, – a, I had a uh, – 
TPS. I, I, I fixed a TPS to the, to the carburetors so I could read throttle position. Right. And then what I did was, and you could do it with a vacuum gauge the same way, but, but essentially I, I did a light acceleration with, with, with another carburetor and then, you know, that wasn't an annular booster carburetor and then, and then slapped the ABS-2 on and accelerated the same way and looked at the position of the TPS. And the throttle position was like 3 or 4 or 5% different. You know, so it was essentially not having to give it as much throttle to do the same thing. This sounds like an ad, but but no, it, but, but but it was absolutely true. It and atomized the fuel coming out of the booster instead of below the butterfly. So snappy, oh. yeah, and and it was astonishing. And the sad part is, is that you can describe this a hundred different ways to tell people all this stuff, but unless you drive it, yeah. you're really never going to know. So, but that was a lot of fun. That oh, was a yeah. lot of fun, you know. Absolutely. And, and what it harked back to was. Um, when you guys, when uh, McFarland did the uh, the twenty one hundred one and the and the in the intic or the intic manifold and the carburetor combination, the performer package, and it was actually supposed to be for a three fifty, right? And I told him, I said, I want to do the story on this thing because I knew it was coming. I, you know, I was down there all the time, right? And uh, so, but all I had was a uh, literally a two eighty seven in my Chevelle at the time because we'd blown the big block up, so we had this this lame little two eighty three in there that was it was a forty over two eighty three, so it was actually a two eighty nine. And Jim says, well, we really designed this for a 350, but if you, if you want to do it, then let's try it see what happens. And it transformed that thing. That made it oh, run so good. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah that was Kurt's doing. God bless him. Yep, yep. Awesome. Yep. So, what a difference. And we can't make them fast enough today. Yeah. It is good. Yeah, it's, yeah. It works. And, and those were fun times, and, and that created that whole line of camshafts and eventually cylinder heads. I got another great hooker story. So, so you guys came out with the uh, aluminum cylinder head for the small block Chevy, 23-degree head. And so I called up, you know, Losey, who was probably the, you know, the, the magazine re- <laughs> exactly. the, the guy at Edelbrock, right? Yeah. And I said, let's, let's do a story. And Rod Sokolowski was there, another guy that we've lost. Okay. And, uh, and, and so we came up with this idea to do, um, I'll port, and I'll do it myself, I'll port a set of iron heads. I'll have Rod show me how to do it. And he had all the facilities down there. And I'll port these. So we ran it first on the dyno. We took it at 350, and we, we put the stock heads on it. Then we ported the heads. And then we're going to put the aluminum heads on, right? And, and everybody says, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, right? So I go in there, we, we run the thing baseline, pull the heads off, and Rod shows me how to do this thing, and I'm in there for eight hours. It took me forever, you know, iron porting, just pocket porting a set of iron heads, right? Oh, you know, boy. The insides of my nostrils were black for a week. <laughs> it was great. And Absolutely. so we get all done, and so like the next day I'm down there, and we pop the heads on, right? And we put the manifold back on. Everything is exactly the same except for whatever the porting I did, right? And it's, this is essentially Rod Sokolowski stuff. Oh, yeah. And uh, so Kurt pulls the handle, and it picked up 27 horsepower. And, and, and Kurt goes, uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at him like, no, man, we made 27 horsepower. And he goes, <clears throat> I'm not sure we can do that with those aluminum heads. <laughs> and I said, I said, whoa, 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 no. You know what this will do on a, on a base 350, right? <clears throat> and he goes, what makes you say that? <laughs> and I said, but you've tested this, right? Yeah, test number what, one coming what up. What makes you say that? <laughs> uh, I was like, no. He goes, no, the boss won't spend the money to find out just how good they are. So we're about to find out. And I'm thinking, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, because what happens if my Rod Sokolowski ported heads are better than your after? I don't have a story, right? It's like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, so it's, Kurt says, well, there's one way to find out. Pop those things off there. Slam those heads on there. 
We set it all up. He pulled the handle. We made 54 more horsepower over the base or another 27. Another, 20, that's another awesome. 27. I'll never forget those numbers. And Kurt goes, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And then that was that part was not in the story that we did. It was just the other stuff. And I was proud as hell, you know. I made twenty seven horsepower, and I thought it would all be on the intake side. And we flowed them obviously before and after as well. For that was part of my story, and and all the improvements were on the exhaust side. You know, that's where all the that was the came beginning in. of the total power package. Yes, absolutely. You know, <laughs> so it was interesting. That we, we, you know, we were all involved with this whole thing all the way through and, and see how it's evolved over oh, the years. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny. You talk about these stories we have. And when you go somewhere, like I remember taking one of our old uh, sales managers to a Ford dealer to drop off his truck and lunch. Mm-hmm. And he sees we have Edelbrock on. And he goes, so how's the manifold business? <laughs> but that's what the company started out started as. Started out as, sure. Because Vic exactly. Sr. made that slingshot in 38. Mm-hmm. Yep, for the flatheads. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, we're so much more and than the, just And the company started out of his gas station. Oh, yeah. 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 Gas Boulevard. Yeah. Just amazing stuff. And how it's, and how it's, and then I would go down there and just watch these line of manifolds going, like, where are all of these things going? <laughs> you we know? Used to, we used to say that they, the, they would pay to have a, a survey done and they'd, stop like you know 200 cars on a street and you know they might find one product but i mean we had one machine that the transfer line or the frankenstein that that we called it it just made the 2101 and the 7101 just which was the original dual plane that was really the the popular one that was the manifold right and there'd be 23 stations mike or 19 i forget i'm not sure right around there around 20 different because it would do one op and move and then Mm -hmm. But at the, when it got going, it was every two, three minutes, a manifold would come off the line. Yeah, oh, it would, yeah. It would produce a couple thousand manifolds just a week. astonishing. Yeah. You know, and that's that's one machine. Yeah. You know, you just, yeah. Where does this stuff go? Before you know? CNC's. <laughs> yeah. oh, Way yeah. before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So each individual station, you're, drill, you're drilling the holes, you're tapping the tapping the, the ports and doing all that stuff, you know, the, the vacuum ports. And that yeah. machine was transferred from El Segundo to Torrance. Yeah. Because it was in between, what, two buildings in El Segundo. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And we put it around it. Yeah. Yeah. Good time. So, and then Vic also had uh, Smokey Unix Camaro. Yep. And I came down and worked with you on that story that we did. And and to this day, I still, I still, I missed out on the one thing because you said, well, what we really should do is park the Unix Camaro next to a stock 67 Camaro. Because that's when you really like see how, car, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and how cheated up that car really was, oh, right? Absolutely. Because well, he laid the A pillars back, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean it. It it had so much stuff manipulated on it, but that was Smokey Eunuch and his mo and, mm-hmm. and uh, sure. But it looked um, like a stock Camaro. It did, uh, <laughs> but it wasn't. <laughs> it and wasn't. you said that they, he drooped the nose. Yeah, that, that was kind of standard, standard fare, fare for. Uh-huh. Um, like the the Bud Moore car is is drooped an inch. Mm-hmm. Um, the Penske car, which is in my shop right now, um, uh-huh. is drooped an inch. But it was interesting looking at uh, the different uh, methods of how to approach that. Um, the way Penske did it was they ran the core support through a bandsaw and <laughs> took an inch out of it and welded it back together. <laughs> well, the way that Smokey did it was where the Course board attached to the front subframe rail. He dropped it there. Dropped it there. Just his theory was these cars are not uh, likely to uh, 
compete in multiple races without having some body damage. And if we could take a part out of a box versus and, and having, quickly modify it okay. versus having to massage a part. And, and that um, was his genius, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And, yeah. And when you droop the front end of one of those cars, it splits the door and a fender gap at the top. And, and compacts it at the bottom. Right. So how Penske did it was they added material to the back of the fender. Uh-huh. Um, Smokey added it to the doors Door. so that you didn't have to modify the fender, fender. to bolt it on. I so. mean, you still had to do the wheel flare, but, uh, um, you know, just trying to look at saving some time here right, and there. Right, right. Uh, and then wasn't, didn't he do a modification to the, to the, to no, in order to change the disc brake pads where he had a vacuum? Uh, it was a, wasn't it a canister? Yeah, that was developed Headlight by canister by Bill Howell, who worked for GM. GM, And right. uh, the, the problem, the inherent problem is they didn't have the disc pad material that we have today and running like the 12 hours of Sebring or the 24 hours of Daytona, the pads wouldn't last. So you come right. in on a pit stop, and the way that engineer designed that caliper, um, it has a spring behind the piston. So you pull the pad out, and the spring pushes the piston out. And... Mm-hmm. It's a lip seal. It's not a square seal. So when you try and push the piston back in, it rolls the seal rolls over the seal. Now and it just pushes air in into so, the system. So you got a dead pedal, and and uh, so Bill Howell came up with a system. Um, it was a servos and and uses used engine vacuum and a canister that held the vacuum, and uh, sitting in the passenger side. Yeah. <laughs> basically, what they would do would be the. The lid of the master cylinder had two tubes on it, and they would apply a vacuum to the system. It would suck the pads back, uh, suck the pistons back, so you could change the pads, pads and really then, quickly. Right, um, just grab them, throw it in, put the pin back in. Right, because yeah. of Fords or the Chryslers or any of the rest of them, you know, they didn't have these inherent problems with springs and lip seals and all that. So, uh-huh. um, but that car has that system on it, and I I made it work. Uh, um, and just some of the was it necessary to do as much. Uh, inquisitive on my part on how uh-huh. how, how does he, it work? How do you get it, how do you make this work? Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, and Bill Howell was still around at uh-huh. the time, and and uh, he sent me schematics and all kinds of stuff. So it was, <laughs> it was kind of fun. So but the driver uh, had to pull a switch, right? He had to pull a lever in order to apply the vacuum to yeah. the, to the master cylinder. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But, but those control arms aren't Camaro control arms. You know, it had a nine inch Ford with a rear had diff a nine, cover. You showed me that too. <laughs> yeah, it's got a nine inch Ford rear end, but with a twelve inch twelve bolt small block or 12 bolt uh, cover over the back of it. Yeah. 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 That uh, a lot of Smokey's heritage is, is roundy round and stock car stuff. So right, right. you could see that just in looking at the car. It had a lot of left side weight in it. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the oil remote and, uh, um, you know, a lot of the other stuff was all set to the left. So, um, but, uh, you know, the nine inch Ford was standard stock car stuff and he was pissed because at the time, GM was developing that car, you know, the, of course it's, you know, race on Sunday, sell on Monday, that mm-hmm. adage and, and what have you. But, uh, what they wanted was, uh, um, to basically people to see these cars and, uh, um, you know, hopefully buy one. Right, right. But uh, little um, did you know that the Camaro that you were buying yeah. showed, had nothing to do with the car that was on the track, <laughs> other than this vague silhouette. <laughs> but he, uh, Smokey, was of the opinion that um, Penske was getting parts from GM Engineering that he wasn't. So uh-huh. that's that's why the nine inch rear end went in. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, the the subframe is Z'd, and and I mean the drip rails are 
pulled into the body and <laughs> I, it just goes on and oh, on no. and on. It, it yeah, has yeah. super stock uh, drag race glass in it, which is the back glass and all the side glass, mm-hmm. which is eighth inch rather than three sixteenths. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I mean, it just a phenomenal amount of modifications. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when you see that car, when you see pictures of it, you know, it's, it's, it's not a stock 67 Camaro by any means. So, but uh, yeah, just some great stuff and all the innovative things he did, you know, uh, pretty, just amazing. Just amazing. Crazy. I mean, yeah. we at the same time had the McFarland's car, the, the hot ride Camaro, you know, the test car. And right. The, right. Which know, was I, the first Camaro on the West coast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. And, and, and I would and, look at that and look at this. And, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a fun story, too, yeah, that car, because Chevrolet brought that Camaro out to the West Coast, gave it to Hot Rod Magazine. Jim McFarlane was the editor at that time. and Probably late in 66, roughly, yeah. Uh, 66, it was a pre-production car. It was a pre-production car, yeah, yeah. essentially a, a prototype. Yeah, right? hand-built and car. Hand-built car, and then took it around to all the manufacturers, you know, Hooker to build headers and... Her and shifter. Her shifter, and Schieffer to build a clutch and all this other stuff. Manifold. And then, and so a very, very famous car and then ended up drag racing it and then there's uh do you know the story about jim racing it uh, when they took it to the winter nationals he ran it at bakersfield too with a big block I yeah think. and and the parachute yeah. deal and almost <laughs> crashed the car <laughs> mike might know better yeah pretty pretty crazy stuff yeah it, it, that car still has a well it on the inner fenders when it had the big block in it it, it had a hooker header on the thing and you know they were like two inch primaries uh-huh. or but uh, the number three cylinder, there was not room to get four pipes between the engine and the frame rail. So the third pipe on both sides went out through, out, through the, you know, fenders, the frame rail and then back in again. And then right? back in again. And, and right, yeah. when we restored the car, I left those there um, and uh, just put rubber, like the rubber flappers that are um, where A-arm the uh, upper A-arms are and, and uh-huh. that kind of stuff, just to keep the debris out of the engine compartment. But, right, you know, right. it's all part of the car's story. And, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and then Jim bought that car and then kept it, it for a number of years. It was Crusher, I thought, right? Yeah, it yeah. was because it was a prototype and somehow they managed to, I guess it probably wasn't a prototype, it was more like, you said, pre-production. Well, but but and then he ended up with the car and then and now it's in the collection, right? Yeah, he, yeah. Jim and Herb Fischel were very good friends and, mm-hmm. and uh, that's how Jim was able to acquire the car. Yeah, but uh, yeah. after it was out here for the period of time that it was, uh, it went back to GM and it was disassembled. And at that time, the production line was up and the car was ran back through the assembly That's line. That's how again. they did it. Okay. Um, okay. It had deluxe interior door panels. and Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's, um, like, it has some stuff on it that a regular production car doesn't, uh, like in the C-pillars and on the interior. It has two dome lights there rather than a single. Really? Um, and, really? you know, I mean... It's uh, it has some kind of cool stuff, uh-huh. um, as far as that goes. Yeah. But, so, uh, in terms rock of red, and, yes, absolutely. <laughs> in terms Roman of provenance, red. I mean, it doesn't yeah. get any more provenance than that, you know. So, yeah, super low sig- miles. Yeah, significant car. Yeah. yeah no, it's it's Pop a cool power piece. tour a couple times. Yep. You know? Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. We could, there's probably a hundred more stories. <laughs> I don't so, know if we have enough time, but it's, we're having fun. <laughs> well, maybe we'll do this again, right? Have you guys back and, and we can tell some more stories and, and maybe some of them will actually be true. I right? got 33 more. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to thank these guys for coming out and hanging out with us. And uh, I want to thank our ARP uh, for helping us out with this whole package. And uh, keep watching and we'll keep cranking these babies out. <laughs>